Hi there. Welcome to the Jewelry Navigator podcast, an on-the-go source of original and unique jewelry with stories of the designers who create it. My name is Brenna Pakes. I'm a graduate gemologist with a degree in geology. I've worked in the retail sector for over 15 years. After completing my graduate gemology diploma and working in the industry for a little while, I took an intermittent career break and worked for a major airline. That's why I combine the theme of aviation and the concept of navigating shoppers to choices of unique jewelry, as well as understanding gem selection and jewelry construction, as well as metal choices. I do a coordinating blog post for every podcast showing photos of the jewelry that we're talking about, as well as links to the jewelers and more information about them. So I hope you enjoy the episodes and feel free to subscribe for your Jewelry Navigator Passport, a way to stay up to date with the current episodes and upcoming features. Thanks so much for joining us and enjoy the episode. Hey there and welcome to today's Jewelry Navigator podcast. In last week's episode, I mentioned a few jewelry destinations for upcoming podcast stories. Today's jewelry designer story is influenced by traditional hand fabrication methods passed down from generation to generation of Lebanese goldsmiths and jewelers. Nayla Shami is a delightful jeweler and designer based in Lubbock, Texas. Originally from Lebanon, Nayla's jewelry story grew from her appreciation of jewelry gifts received as a child and then later as a designer. I met Nayla almost two years ago at a metal and smith show in New York. Her selection and use of colorful gemstones set in her unique animal and nature-inspired jewelry commanded my attention. In today's conversation, Nayla shares stories of a burrow, a herd of goats, dancing jeweled flowers, and marbles encaged in gems, all from her collections inspired by joyful childhood memories and return visits to Lebanon. Nayla also shares how she nurtures trust and loyalty in the relationships she forges with her retail stores and boutique clients. You can find Nayla Shami Jewelry at Dressed by Scott Maloof in Lubbock, Texas, at Slate Gray Gallery in Telluride, Colorado, and Maloof on the Plaza in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Thanks so much for joining me today and enjoy the episode. What I like so much about your story is that you are coming from, your experience is coming from an old world artisan hands-on experience that's a really unique part of your story because you have a personal and tangible connection back to those roots of how jewelry was always made before all of the technical um, you know, all the technical tools that came in and started to make things easier for us. So mm-hmm. I think that's part of what really makes you unique. Before you tell your story about your connection of jewelry and your journey into this part of your career as a jeweler and designer, tell us a little bit about what Lebanon is like and how it inspires so much of your your jewelry. And that might be something that you interject a little bit later. Let's start there. Okay. So um, Lebanon is on the Mediterranean. It's in the Middle East. It has um, border with Israel on the south and um, Syria everywhere else. 
and the Mediterranean on one side. It's, um, it is an absolutely beautiful country. It's a very small country. You have the seashore and then the mountain right behind it. And so at certain times of the year, like in the spring, in May, you still can go up to the mountains and snow ski in the morning till about one o'clock and then you can hit the beach in the afternoon. Uh-huh. So um, it is very diverse in, in terms of um, the landscape because you have it all and uh-huh. it's small enough to where each part is accessible in one day. Mm-hmm. All you've heard probably in the recent history is the war, but it's a very open um, country. Uh, people are, are open-minded. They uh, love life. They uh, love beautiful things. They speak three languages. Most of them speak three languages fluently. Mm-hmm. And they're very um, open to, um, they travel a lot. They've seen a lot. And they're, you know, welcoming and warm and, and um, caring people. So that would be that would be my description of Lebanon. Um, mm-hmm. As I said, this is where I grew up, and went to school and went to law school there, um, and then came with my husband to the United States at age 24. Okay. And I've, I'm a lot older now, and I'm still here. So, <laughs> so but I, both our families are still there. So we go back. Um, Every year, I go back twice a year because of my business now. But um, so our kids grew up, you know, here in the United States, and to be more precise, in Lubbock, Texas, where I live. And um, they've um, gone to school here, to college here, but they've gone back to Lebanon every summer. So they are fluent in French and Arabic, and of course um, English. And so it. It's a, it's an interesting it's an interesting background and it's an in, interesting mix. It makes us who we are. So, as I said, I went to law school, so I thought I was going to have a career in law. <laughs> and um, th- when I started my family, we decided that um, I needed to stay home and raise the kids until because we had just moved to the United States. I didn't know a lot of people. I didn't have, you know, a fa- family members that could help me. Or so I decided to stay home while um, my husband pursued his career. Mm-hmm. And you know, I was blessed to be able to do that. To be honest with you, but then the kids grow up and they go to college, and, <laughs> and then you wake up one morning and you've lost your day job. So. Um, <laughs> So I discovered jewelry making later in life, actually, um, when my kids were grown and left for school. So Lebanon is very well known for its jewelry. It's a craft that is um, taught from great-grandfather to grandfather to father to son. And jewelers are known for the quality of their work and the attention to details and the workmanship and... um, the traditions in jewelry making, and um, and they are proud of their family skills. Like, and they export all over the world. Um, there are great jewelry designers and great artisans. Growing up in Lebanon, all important events in your life are usually celebrated by a gift of jewelry, from birth to graduation to diplomas to engagement 
to weddings. I mean, your close family members give you usually a piece of jewelry, whether it's theirs or a new piece of jewelry that celebrates the event that you're living or going through. Mm-hmm. So jewelry is very sentimental and it's special and it's a celebration. And generations gift their jewelry to their um, daughters, granddaughters, wife of sons, you know. So there is a certain comfort for us in wearing a piece that your grandmother or your great-grandmother has worn before you, and you've seen her wear it. Mm-hmm. So um, that's why, for instance, when my daughter got engaged, my mother gave her one of her rings that she thought she would like. And, um, you know, the fact that my daughter is wearing a ring that I saw my mom wear many, many times, it's so comforting. It's like gifting someone some wisdom and continuity and history. So that is what jewelry means to me, actually. It, It is the story that I would like in my pieces to continue. I would love to see that a mother gave a piece of jewelry she bought from me to her daughter mm-hmm. or to her son's wife or to somebody she loves. So my love for jewelry started in Lebanon. I've, I've been designing jewelry ever since I was like 14. Every time I had a little bit of money, I'd design something and take it to somebody to have it made. But I actually learned to make jewelry in Lubbock, Texas. Because a friend of mine just signed me up for this jewelry class that she was taking um, without telling me. She just called me and said, hey, show up Tuesday between 3 and 6. We're going to take this jewelry class. Mm -hmm. I'm like, what? And so um, she's a very close friend of mine. And I went with the plan. And I went to that first jewelry class. Because, I mean, I really wanted to. I just didn't think that it was the right time for me to do it because I was traveling and doing all sorts of things. But the first time I sat behind a bench with a saw in my hand and a piece of metal, I, um, it was like a revelation. I was like, where have I been all those years? Mm-hmm. Like, why did I spend so much time before discovering this? That's, that's how I came into jewelry making and jewelry designing. I had been designing before that, but I, you know, this, this took me to the next level. And um, so there we go. That, <laughs> that's the story of how I started. <laughs> I love that. There are so many little beautiful nuggets in that story. What you just described is so beautiful, and it wraps up the whole backbone of what a item a precious item of jewelry should be it should be enjoyed not only for one generation but for generations in the future i love that your whole um, foundation is based on the premise of um, quality and uh, you know just the background of understanding how how pieces how jewelry is made and how to make it to last when I make a piece, I, um, I make it out of the best material that are available to me, whether it's 18, I mean, I, I use high carat gold. Mm-hmm. I, um, I'm very, very picky about the stones I use, even for the smallest of my pieces that are pave with like tiny, tiny little pieces. 
the, the stones. They have to be of very high quality. I work with a gemologist that um, I trust, um, and he's been working with me for years and years and years, and he does not settle for, for less than the best. Now, um, having said that, you know, and, and the quality and excellence in workmanship is not something that I will, um, you know, I will ever uh, compromise on. But, but it means also that the price is a little higher. Like I could have done the same piece with a lesser grade stone or um, a lesser grade carat gold, but that's not what I want to do. So it, it does drive the price up, but it does drive the value up too. Right, right. So, um, you know, I don't make a lot of pieces. I, I make a reduced number of pieces. I'm not into mass producing. Mm-hmm. Um, I keep telling everybody I, <laughs> I produce, you know, in small batches um, because I intend for every piece to be unique and, spe- and special and limited. Right, right. And once again, those, those characteristics of an item of jewelry, those are all components of a valuable piece because it is unique. It makes it one of a kind. And you're hand-selecting gemstones where you know who's sourcing them for you and you know that they're mm-hmm. very high-quality stones. So mm-hmm. all of these things come together to make a beautifully crafted piece of jewelry that's going to hold its value, but something that people are going to enjoy because they know it's really well made with fine grade components and ingredients. <laughs> you might want to call mm-hmm. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's talk a little bit about what inspires you behind your designs because you use a lot of nature themes in your designs mm-hmm. birds, mm-hmm. flowers, animals. They're charming and whimsical, but they can lend themselves to being very sophisticated at the same time. But they're very, they, it feels approachable, you know, wearable on mm-hmm. a regular basis. It's not something someone would want to tuck in their jewelry box and not bring out unless they're going to like a, you know, a big ball or something. Yeah. So That's let's really talk bent. Yes, yes. Let's talk a little bit about what inspires you behind your designs and um, describe some of them to us. And then I will, of course, do a post behind this with um, some of the images. Okay. So um, most of the time, my designs are born out of special moments in my life. It's, um, they bring me back to important and happy moments or events. You know, I always hope that the person who is going to wear them is going to feel the same happiness when they do. Mm. Um, so, for instance, and I, I never know what's going to inspire me, but I'm going to tell you a couple of stories that, that relate to certain pieces that I've created and, and what was the inspiration behind it. Okay. Um, a couple of years ago, I um, I was in Lebanon and we were visiting a friend who had built a house in in the mountains in Lebanon. They had just finished their house and we had to drive on a small stretch of dirt road to reach mm-hmm. their house. And um, as my husband was driving, 
he had to suddenly stop because in the middle of that dirt road, there was a little burrow. And he was standing in the middle of the road and wouldn't move. <laughs> and um, he was, he was whole, he, on his back, he had like this small piece of fabric that had two baskets. Uh-huh. And he, he just was, he was so gorgeous. And um, his eyes were big and beautiful. And I was like in awe. And I kept looking at the whole scenery. And then to the left of that burrow was a huge herd of goats. Uh-huh. And the whole scenery was magical. I, I, um, so we stopped the car and we got out just to enjoy the, the, the beauty of this surreal moment. And um, I, you know, after a while I got my phone out and I took a couple of pictures and I told my husband, I'm going to have to immortalize this in, mm-hmm. in one way. And this is how my burrow and my goat were born. It, <laughs> we're out of this moment that, that came out of nowhere. Another time, we were hiking up in the mountains again. It was late spring. And, um, the, the, you know, there was a little breeze and, and lots of wildflowers. And the breeze was, was making those wildflower move. And it was peaceful. It was, it was just so simple and peaceful. And I... You know, I, I'm on the spot. I was like, I'm going to make some flowers. Then I started like thinking, I don't want a still flower. Mm-hmm. I want a flower that is going to replicate what I just saw, which is that, mo- that nice, soothing movement of nature. So that's where my spinning flowers <laughs> came into, into play. That's how I made my spinning flowers. They, yeah. They're flowers, yes. That they, you know, they have a movement and you can spin them around. And the marbles were a little bit of a different story because I love antiquing um, too. So I, I was at an antique store and I walked in and the first thing I see is this big basket with all sorts of marbles, like all color marbles, all shapes, and you know, the big ones, the small ones, and it just threw me back to when I was in elementary school. During recess, I used to play marbles. <laughs> and the only reason I played marbles is I was so attracted by their colors. And I wanted one of each color. So I became very, very good at marbles, at playing marbles. Uh-huh. And I could, be, I could spar with the best of them. <laughs> and, and during recess. So I had a huge, extensive collection of beautiful <laughs> marbles. I was, I was after certain marbles, so I, you know, I would play just the people that had those colors. <laughs> and um, so I asked the guy, I said, well, how do you sell these? I mean, where are they? And he said, they're antique German marbles, and, you know, some of them are dented because, you know, kids played with them or whatever. And I'm like, how do you sell them? And he's like, you only can buy the whole basket. And I'm like, well, fine then. I'll buy the whole basket. So I bought the whole basket of marbles and came home. And I'm like, oh, that's what am I going to do with those marbles? And I was like, I know ex- I'm going to wear them. I am going to wear these marbles. So that's how my marble pendant came to life. And um, 
I love them. And <laughs> people are so intrigued by it. And, you know, bizarrely enough, so many people walk in and say, you know, I used to play marbles when I was little. Or, you know, I have a collection of marbles. Oh, I'm going to bring you my father's marble and maybe you can do something with them. It is, um, it's so interesting how many people have, you know, picked up on the fact that they are marbles and um, that it's so cool that they want one. They want to wear one. So that's the story of the marble. (laughs) Oh, I love that. I just love them because they were unique, but I love hearing the story behind it. And I'm learning so much about you. First of all, you have... (laughs) First, you have a goat and a burro that were not born in a farm, but at the at a jeweler's bench. And yes. I never want to play marbles with Nayla because she will get your favorite marbles if you if you get her. I will I will take that marble if I want it. So I'm telling you, some skills I I learned just because you just want something so badly in your perse- your perseverance to to getting it. So. Exactly, and I'm sure that strategy has come in handy several times <laughs> <laughs> it has but um oh. so i you know it makes me it makes me laugh all those things make me laugh so when i looked at the finished product it, it just brings me so much joy it's, i'm like a kid yeah um, yes oh i love those stories neela those are so special mm-hmm. and how you've taken you know moments that are so special to you like your winding road trip up to your friend's home and seeing those animals out in nature and the flowers which i am such a sucker for anything that moves any kind of fidget or kinetic mm-hmm. jewelry like your flowers oh my gosh i could just play with those all day long but for those of you listening, you'll have to go on to Nayla's website. She has the burrow and the goat. The marbles, I, I only see them are not on there. Instagram. Mm-hmm. So they're on my Instagram. So yeah. if you want a full picture of it's it's best to go on my Instagram handle because um, my my webpage, I you know it's the, the marbles come in so many different colors. Mm-hmm. and sizes and different stones around them that it's hard to, you know, show all of them. So, um, but I have pictures of them on my Instagram, you know. Okay. And then another collection that you make that I love and kind of resonates with me is your metal collection. Tell me some about that collection. So that collection is very special to me because um, I... I came up with the idea of this collection. Um, my, my daughter um, was at the time in law school, the beginning of her third year of law school, and um, she was interviewing for a prestigious in- internship that she wanted to um, to do. And um, her counselor, before she went into the interview, told her, this is a great opportunity. Not a lot of people can get it, blah, blah. I mean, she gave her the whole you know, let's not be disappointed if you don't get it type talk. And Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. so she went into the interview and um, she was offered the job before the end of the interview. And um, and so when she finished, when she was finished with the interview, she went and talked to her counselor who told her, are you sure you understood well? 
And she was like, yeah, I did. I understood well, and I had 24 hours to give my answer back. And then she called me and gave me the report on the, and my first reaction, I was like, you, you got, are you sure you got, I mean, are you, are you sure you understood? And she was like, yes, I can understand when people talk to me. Yes, I understood properly. <laughs> and my first reaction was, you deserve a medal. So I made her her first medal. Oh. And that's how I created my whole. So it's a very special um, collection to me because it, you know, it brings me back to that moment where, you know, the, your child has worked very, very hard towards something and she gets it. And yes. I don't think there is a better feeling for a parent, not right. to mention, you know, for a child. But I mean, for, it, was, it was like such a wonderful moment. So that, that's the metal collection. <laughs> oh, I love it. I found a perfect um, picture on your Instagram that has several of them in a beautiful array in, a, in yeah. photographs. It's perfect. So I'll post that one as well. There's a shamrock. There's a blue yeah. and a red star. But I think one of my favorites because of my um, how I gravitate towards travel and direction. And I'm terrible with... Um, not necessarily directions, but I get lost really easily. Oh, <laughs> so my... do I. That's how this one was born. That was, was that one was for me. It's like you need I, a compass. That's what I need too, Nayla. <laughs> I love the compass. Even though I'm terrible with directions, I, I love the whole symbolism of the compass. It, to me, it means, you know, if you're surrounded by love and people you love and you're, you know, have a solid foundation, you're never lost. My children keep laughing at me because I can get lost from home to their school. I mean, I took them to school every morning for like 13 years, and uh-huh. every morning I questioned how to get to that school. So that compass is definitely for me. <laughs> yes, and my excuse is I have too much in my mind. You know, I'm taking care of everything. So exactly. I'm sorry if I forget how to get places. <laughs> that's great I love this Mm -hmm. so you have a little bit of something for everyone you know over the years I've all just by talking to people a lot of people don't like to wear a lot of jewelry or Mm -hmm. don't like to um, wear one piece of jewelry that is a statement piece Uh, they like more subtle pieces and um, and I understand because sometimes I just went just a little something. You know, not everybody can afford a statement piece from the Mm get-go. So I I wanted to give the opportunity to people that were interested in my line to have like an entry to the line Mm -hmm. and an entry to different age groups because, you know, if you're you're, um, graduating from high school and you want to give... Um, you know, your daughter or your niece or wh- whoever it is, a small piece of jewelry, you might not want to give her a statement uh, piece. Mm-hmm. But you want to introduce her to something that's well made, well done, and that, you know, that she can enjoy for a long time. So my, like my bracelets and my stackable bands and um, a lot of those pieces have more this, introduction to fine jewelry in my mind they're also very very pretty um so and you can add to it 
it can start a gift giving or marking special moments like graduation from high school, graduation from college, you add another, another band or another bracelet, graduation from graduate school or, you know, first job. And so I wanted people to be able to build onto the first piece they bought. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, you have to address different, different needs in, in people that are buying jewelry. I introduced this, those pieces that are fine and beautiful and wearable, and you can add to it and, and make it your own by, just add, by the way you combine different pieces. Mm-hmm. You can make a stack that is completely your own, completely different than what you, you see elsewhere. Your collection is very versatile because you do have a wide range of, of designs that would appeal to, like you said, a big range of demographic and also their needs, their spending needs. A few days ago, Nail and I visited in a discovery call and we were talking about some of the issues that independent designers and emerging brands are, are dealing with. And I think this goes for, you know, everybody across the board, whether you're a large brand or an emerging brand, where the internet merges retail, there's a conflicting issue that we have between designers and the retailers. And and finding a place where everybody is going to meet and have a happy medium, let's talk a little bit about how those two worlds are coming together and how you're finding solutions to make everybody happy, your clients, um, your retailers, and then, of course, your collections and getting it, getting it out into a wider viewing audience. My jewelry is currently in um, three stores, one gallery and two stores, um, here in Lubbock, uh, dressed by Scott Maloof, and um, in Santa Fe um, at Maloof on the Plaza, and in Telluride at uh, Slate Gray Gallery. And mm-hmm. I also, of course, have a presence online. And, um, and I do... I've done several trunk shows and, um, you know, one trade show so far. Um, and so I do use Instagram and Facebook and uh, the virtual world <laughs> a lot. Right. Um, it, it's a, I mean, it's a great way to show your work to a wide audience that you wouldn't have access to otherwise. And it's, a tool to get people familiar with your work and your pieces. Mm-hmm. And, you know, podcasts like yours is, is, is also another great way. And, you know, people like you that are, are open-minded about showing different pieces or different um, jewelry designers. Mm-hmm. Are, they're so important and um, you, you know your support is so important I know to me and I but I know that from talking to other people that it's so important to other people too <clears throat> because it's getting it's it's tough to get the word out and there's a lot of information on the internet right. and um, it's not always easy to to reach the audience you're trying to reach or you know to know how to get the message out um, but it is, it's a great tool 
but it's not the perfect tool, especially when it comes to jewelry. Um, because, yes, it does give people access to your pieces, but it doesn't convey really the details of the craftsmanship and how it's made. And so I feel like it's very, very important, along with the virtual world, to have a physical presence and um, to talk to people face-to-face and have them hold, hold the piece and look at it and wear it and put it on um, so they can, they can have a good, um, a good understanding of how it's made. Mm-hmm. But most importantly, it's to talk to people about the process. Um, and I've noticed that when you explain the process of jewelry making and you talk about your design and your inspiration and you, you show your passion and your enthusiasm um, about what you do, people d- develop this, this connection with your brand. And that's really what you want. Um, so I, you know, I've I've been to many many shows where I have people that have walked in and um, came to me and told me, you know, I am not in the market to to buying a piece of jewelry today, but you know, the store sent me or you know, the strength show sent me a picture of this piece that you have. And it intrigued me, and I wanted to come meet you and talk to you and have you tell me a little bit more about it. Mm-hmm. So my response to that is, and it, it is the truth, I, I, I don't care whether you want to buy the piece or not. What I do care about is to tell you about it and to, to, to tell you how lucky I am to do what I do every day. Uh-huh. And, and, you know, to explain to you the process, because a lot of people I've, I've noticed, and I was one of them before I took jewelry classes, had no idea what the, how meticulous jewelry making is and how intense the process is and how many steps are involved into the making of this one piece. They have no clue. So when you go into the details of that, of course, if they want to hear about it or if they ask you about it, it, it is like opening up a new world to them and a new understanding. And so to me, whether I sell a piece or not, if I uh, am able to explain to people or you know, communicate to people my love for the craft and what the craft is really all about, I feel like I've achieved a lot during that trunk show or that show or whatever it is that I'm doing. Right. So I, I, I do feel that, yeah, inter, internet presence is, you know, I'm, you can't do without it. You can't go without it nowadays. But that you can't stop there either. Right. Not yeah. if you want people to understand and build a connection to, to uh, what you're doing. Right. Yes. That's so important. And I feel that we've all kind of gotten a little lazy and with mm-hmm. the hopes of letting the Internet, well, you know, platforms like Facebook and Instagram carry our weight somewhat. But what we've all found is it all comes down to us. 
There have been days mm-hmm. when the platform hasn't been available. You know, it's crashed or, you know, it's overloaded. And that's going to happen. It all comes down to we can't depend on any one thing or any one person to do what we need to actually do, which is go out, show the people, share with them. And what you touched on that was um, hadn't, hadn't occurred to me before was not only sharing your story, but the process mm-hmm. that's part of the story. And part of what makes making jewelry for you a passion, you know, a a labor of passion, because it is so meticulous and there are so many processes involved to get it to look just the way your vision inside your head is. Like you said, it's as valuable, if not more valuable, than someone actually purchasing a piece of jewelry, because then they go out and tell other people about it. I'm like, oh my gosh, you've got to go see this lady's jewelry. She makes the most incredible things and the attention to detail is, I've never seen anything like it. So that And, and it's an appreciation for the craft. And that's, it, it is very, very important because, mm-hmm. you know, it's, I, I don't want the craft to become like all, you know, all a, a mechanical process. I love the fact that it's, you know, it's the hand, the handmade aspect of it. And um, th- this is what you explain to people that even if machines are involved, a lot of it is it, you have to do it by hand. And mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's not easy. It's, it's very intricate. And it's, um, so it, it's, it's fun to, to give people the appreciation for something you do and an understanding for something that is available. I mean, everybody has looked at a piece of jewelry or worn a piece of jewelry or, you know, admired a piece of jewelry. So it's good for people to know what the process involves. Right. It, it doesn't just happen. And, you know, most people have never thought about it because that's not, you know, that wasn't on their radar. So when, when you explain it to them, it's, it opens up another dimension to, you know, to the piece that you're showing them or other pieces that they're looking at, at of other artists. So I, I just feel it's very important. It's, it's also very important to, te- you know, to, um, to tell the staff at the stores where you work how your pieces are made. Like, because they're selling it. If you're not there every day, unless you own a jewelry store and you're there physically every day, when you place your pieces in stores or in galleries, the people that are selling your your pieces need to understand what went into the making of that piece. So I find it also very important to visit with staff in in the stores that you're, you're in and go over the process, let them ask questions, show them little details in the pieces. Or, you know, I, I sometimes take the book where I, I do my, I, I keep some of my drawings, the, the first initial, like, you know, things that I jot down on a piece of paper that becomes the piece that they're holding. And mm-hmm. I show them how the process in my head works. Like this is, it went from this little scribble right here mm-hmm. to this, burrow right here you know I mean so I think it it just as I said the connection to your to your line is very important and that's how you create that connection 
Right. Another thing I really admire about how you're going about your business is starting local. You're, mm-hmm. So you're in Lubbock and then mm-hmm. Santa Fe and Telluride. But yeah, I do have a presence in Lubbock and I'm, um, I'm very glad I do. Um, I love being here because, you know, this is where I live and this is where I'm, I make some of my jewelry and um, it, it's kind of fun for people to um, come in and buy my jewelry when I know who they are or I've, you know, I've seen them or I've talked to them. So, it, yeah, it, being local is very important. Yeah. <laughs> to circle back around to, I, I think we're missing a wonderful opportunity by using our local connections and local resources mm-hmm. to grow from that perspective possibility to get jewelry in front of people we're already close to, you know, to mm-hmm. set up um, trunk shows at some of the local smaller independent uh, jewelry stores or boutiques so um, kind of brainstorming and infiltrating your um, local community mm-hmm. to to show your jewelry people you never know where that's going to go you know it's kind of mm-hmm. like planting seeds if someone you know purchases uh, one of your items of jewelry and they go on vacation and someone says, oh my gosh, where did you get that? You have to show up somewhere, whether it's a, you know, a trade show or, you know, trunk shows or whatever, but just getting creative and finding solutions to get your jewelry in front of people is really, it's really the main objective. Some of the trunk shows that I did were because of friends or um, clients that have purchased a piece and were visiting another place and and um, just walked in either a jewelry store or you know a place that sells jewelry not only jewelry but like clothing store and and jewelry and the owner of that place asked them about a piece of jewelry they were wearing and it was mine and they mm-hmm. gave them a card and they looked me up on Instagram and called me and scheduled a trunk show mm-hmm. so. You are right when you say that you don't know where your pieces are going, and um, it's so exciting when when you get a phone call like that because of somebody that walked in that was wearing something that attracted the the attention of the store owner or the you know the jewelry store owner, and you get to do a fantastic trunk show because of that. We touched on something that I feel is really important to talk about, and then I will our closing thoughts and tell everybody where people can find you again. But I think that retailers, and I'm talking small stores who mm-hmm. have a vote mm-hmm. in what they choose to carry in their jewelry stores, I feel like they're tentative about carrying small and independent designers or even new lines because there mm-hmm. is an online you know, competitive presence where if someone had a chance to shop it in a store just to go see what it looks like and then buy it online because there was a Mm -hmm. sale going on. I feel that in order to build those kind of relationships with boutiques and stores, there needs to be an understanding, a very clear understanding of where the boundaries are in those kind of situations. Share with us about what your policy is so that you ensure your retailers that 
you're going to be loyal to them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I admire stores and customers that take a chance on unique pieces and design designers because um, it takes guts nowadays. I mean, it, it's it's very expensive to have a storefront. You just need to make to be sure that you're going to make money if you invest in a in a line or if you carry a line. Even if you know you're not buying the line, you you still have like some floor space that this line is occupying. So it needs mm-hmm. to be, um, a, you know, a good line. Um, so I really admire stores that think outside the box and and try to promote designers, emerging designers, and like me, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also incredibly rewarding for for stores. Um, to be a part of a success story if your line works. I, I would guess that as a store owner, if you've discovered somebody and you've helped launch them, it is very rewarding when you see that you were spot on, on you know, your eye for the design. It's fun to be in that situation where somebody mm-hmm. has taken a chance on you and your line performs well. It's, it's both ways, but it's very rewarding. But it's also, I think, extremely important for designers to be loyal to the stores that have taken that chance. And um, by that, I mean that if, um, if I'm in a store in a certain area and somebody calls me, first of all, I always ask, where did you see the piece or where did you come across this piece? And, you know, if they tell me, oh, I saw it in Santa Fe or, oh, I saw it in... in um, you know, in Lubbock or Telluride. Um, what I do, and I've done that even with trunk shows, where people have called me after the trunk show and I've sent the business back to the store. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I do is I answer all their questions. I talk to them about, you know, the inspiration, the piece itself. I give them all the details. And when we come to closing the sale, I refer them back to the store in the area where they are. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, you know, the stores I, I work with know that about me. I, I just, this is the way I, you know, I feel it, that's, that's the right thing to do, basically. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it any other way. Um, right. So, I think you ha- loyalty has to be both ways. And it's not like I have... A contract with anybody but I just that's the way I do I do business and um, I think that that loyalty is what creates a long-term relationship if you run a sale on an item on your web page then you have to let your stores know that to run the same because you don't want to take business away from them they're supporting you right and so that, that's, that's how I do it. Um, uh, I mean, that's the only way I know how to do it. If they know that designers are going to have their best interest, meaning the, the store's best interest in mind, and they're going to have their back when it comes to someone reaching out to the designer online, asking them, hey, can I buy this from you? And, you know, digging a little deeper and finding out where they saw it first. Make sure, like you said, that you are giving that business back to the store that is hosting you or your line in their store. What do you have coming up 
that you can share with us. You mentioned a new collection that I think we have to wait a little bit for, but um, <laughs> <laughs> do you have uh, some trunk shows coming up that you can share with us? I am I am working on some trunk shows. Hopefully, um, um, I, I just got back, so um, I will probably around you know end of November to December. I will have trunk shows um, probably here and in Santa Fe and um, in other places that I am you know you know putting feeders out for. Okay. And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to try to expand a little bit more um, in terms of, you know, putting myself out there. Just keeping your mind and your heart open to places that are yeah. going to be a good fit for you. And for those of you listening, if you're in the Lubbock area, make sure you take some time and go see Nayla's jewelry. Um, tell me the name of the boutique again. It's called Dressed, D-R-E-S-T. Uh-huh. And um, it's well known. If you ask anybody in Lubbock, I mean, they, they will tell you where dressed is. So um, it's it's a very very neat store. It's um, you know a local business, and we'd love for you to you know <laughs> to go see what they have to offer. Nice. Well, sometime. I'm going to be traveling more, so I'm going to come and see you in Lubbock one day. Okay. I don't know when. I would probably, love that, Brenna. <laughs> I would love it, too. Probably in the spring. I have some travel plans coming up after the first of the year, so we'll make that happen. I would love to do that. And Well, um, you will love Lubbock. You will love Lubbock. Uh-huh. Best, best people ever. <laughs> so. oh, good, good. I'm looking forward to it. Um, well, thank you so much for being my guest. I loved sharing your story. I love that your background was totally, uh, came from a different direction and a different country altogether. And now here you are creating these beautiful, inspired collections um, that I am so happy to share with everybody listening and can't wait to share the pictures. So thank you so much for sharing your story well. and your time. Thank you for your support and your long-time support. You've been you've been um, such a breath of fresh air, um, and really, I, I appreciate what you do. I know it takes a lot of your time to um, find designers and learn about their lines and their stories, and I really, really appreciate your support. Oh, well, you're so welcome, and thank you for the kind words. I love doing it, and I really feel like your stories and your jewelry certainly need to get out there to share with the people who do want to stand out and celebrate what makes them unique with, you know, beautiful jewelry, like from your metal and your flower collection, mm-hmm. and, you know, all of those beautiful things. So thank you so much. Thank you, Brenna. I appreciate it. You're so welcome. Have a great day. I'll talk to you soon. You too. All right. Uh Bye-bye. Bye. Even though I've met Nayla only once, she's so charming, and her story was just so lovely. I really enjoyed sharing it with you. But what really resonates with me is her complete conversion from a professional career as a lawyer to a professional career as a jeweler and designer. And it was 
on a road of self-discovery after she had raised her children. And it was a new career that she nurtured and grew. I just love that. I think it's so encouraging to know that we can all pursue passions that are either latent and we're just waiting to develop them or even undiscovered. So stay tuned and keep watching my Instagram feed as I will be posting jewelry from Nayla over the next couple of days to share the podcast and share her story and keep eyes on her Instagram feed as well because it sounds like she's going to be coming out with some new and exciting jewelry. Thanks so much for tuning in and until next time. Cross check your sparkle. Thanks a lot. Bye bye.